Hey folks, gonna record this intro real quick. It's getting late. I've been putting this off for a while. This is, uh, I don't even know what episode it is, but it's the one with Eddie Dixon. Uh, about two weeks ago, me and Eddie sat down and had a little conversation, and he played a couple songs off his new album. He did Buzzard Code and the uh, title track song Coinstar. So I've been talking about it in a couple of the last podcasts I did. And if you want to hear it, you can go to Eddie Dixon's Bandcamp, which if you go to the uh, the podcast page at Coastal Noise, you can just click on his name or the album, and it'll take you to his uh, Bandcamp, and you can check out the album. It's a great album. And uh, it was really cool to have him play some acoustic versions of the songs. So uh, hope you enjoy it. Hope you enjoy the music. Hope you enjoy the conversation. If you want to hear more podcasts, go to the podcast page at CoastalNoise.com. Check out some of the recent ones we did with comedian Bill Engvall, Jeff Pilsen, a foreigner, and all the other stuff that's out there. Uh, I don't know if this, uh, I'm hoping I'm going to get this episode out this week. Um, if it ain't June 1st already, I'll be playing June 1st, Greenhouse on Porter in Ocean Springs, 69, 629, um, this coming Friday, June 1st. So if I release it then, so if I release it before then. You're welcome to come. <clears throat> Show notes will be at stephanlawsonmusic.com. Okay. Let's kick it off. Coastal Noise, Eddie Dixon, Coinstar, and Life Rants.
Speedcast 101. Born Cor- Cocoa Beach, Florida. Uh, conceived in a motel in Mobile. What? And uh, and so how did that affect you growing up? <laughs> Tell us why you're sad. I don't remember a lot. I, I do have a weird memory of, of uh, as a five-year-old, like enjoying the idea of being tied up. That's kind of weird for a five-year-old. Yeah. I actually was younger than that. I was like three like, and that and has it, that has manifested itself in in no. your photography and music and such. It definitely hasn't manifested. I don't like that shit when it's in the bedroom. So I don't know where that went, but it was certainly a thing for me when I was three. Like watching a cowboy and Indian, any kind of movie like that, and they had like they were torturing the cowboy. Oh, I wanted to be the cowboy. Did you see Bonehawk, uh, Tomahawk? What is it? The Bone? most recent one, Hostiles. No. Um, Bone Tomahawk. Bone with, Tomahawk. With uh, Tommy something. Kurt Russell, I think, yeah. in it. And what's his face? I did, I did see Hostiles. Pretty brutal. And uh, I was less pleased with that than I wanted to be. That's the new Western with Christian Bale? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's just like, yeah, uh, it, it was pretty sure it was a very important film, but it wasn't. It was just like hackneyed, really. 
I mean, it's Oscar bait. Like it's got all the fucking notes for Oscar bait, but it's, it's not at all deep. I, I maybe bone tomahawks more of the thing. I like the, I like bone tomahawk a lot. It had yeah. some, some friggin' shock factor to it. Uh, well, that, have you end. ever read when we talked about Cormac McCarthy, did you ever read blood Meridian? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Someone, Heavy shit. Someone makes you kinda, that. You kind of have to digest it two or three times before. Yeah. I think it really, you get that, the full scope. That would make that movie. I think would get closer to the brutality of what can actually go on or probably went on in the more depraved parts of, cause you know, with all these like sweethearted people that were going out in wagon trains, there was also just some twisted, you know, anytime you believe that other people are animals, you can do just about anything. So however many like sweethearted families got, got murdered, there was probably, probably a few that got through there and, and did some murdering of their own. Where is Cormac McCarthy these days with his, he's supposed to have a book called the passenger or something like that. That's supposed to be on the horizon. I didn't know that. That's, yeah. That's exciting. If he's doing it, yeah. he hangs out with a bunch of, uh, scientists. scientists. Yeah. You told me about the he, Santa Fe university or something yep. like that. Yep. Um, like a bunch of physicists and quantum physicists and I'm down with that. Like if you're doing, uh, I would almost rather, I don't know, like being a, a fellow musician when you meet a musician is kind of an entree into talking, but that does, doesn't always mean you're going to be interested in talking to another musician. Yeah. Like, uh, but I don't know a lot of physicists, so screwed on yeah. that front. Uh, let's talk about your, your new album here, Coinstar. Yes. Um, the recording process for that, how do, how was that different from the albums you've done in the past? It was quicker and I limited, uh, I limited the palette. Every other album I've ever done, um, I can't help myself from like experimenting and I, I like, um, this one, I only allowed myself like guitar, organ, bass, drums, hardly anything else. And uh, it made it go quick. And I think it made a, an easier, easy, easily digestible thing, which I hadn't done ever before. Although Skirmisher earlier was, was probably as close as I got, but that went all over the place. Mm -hmm. um, but this was a, a distilled version. And if I can get simpler, it's going to get even better. Like if I can just calm my, my musical brain down and only do what the song requires, it'll be a good thing. Mm -hmm. And it, it went quick. I was, I started it like, um, what was, uh, Oh, it's when I got off the rig, I got off, I was working on the boat. And when I got off, I had a little bit of a lag time before I had that next job. Um, work, going back, working for the van company. And I ended up having a few weeks and I did all the tracking during that time, all the drums, all the, everything else, and then whittled away at it. I like quick. I like quick. I still haven't done what I want to do, which is uh, like almost live or live. Just get in there with enough people. I just haven't had a, I haven't had a steady band in so long, but I want to do that at some point, like actually get a studio. And well, I'm, but uh, um, hopefully I'm doing that soon. I might be producing somebody, um, which is going to be like seven, eight, studio musicians in a in a room with a bunch of really nice stuff and so but i'd like to do that for my thing at some point like rehearse up a band and actually have never actually done it except for 
the very first band I had when I went to Chicago, we recorded most of that live in a room. Although I didn't, I didn't do the vocals at the same time because I, I, uh, I, I forget how it happened, but we just couldn't, couldn't work out the logistics of it. We were working on an ADAP machine and just, a first time being around any of that stuff. But instead I went in and cheerleaded like the way that we recorded it. I didn't want it to be, if they were just playing by themselves and I'm sitting there by the board, it could easily end up pretty flat. So I went out in the room and to keep track of where the song was and just, and I, I sort of conducted and jumped around. So if, if it was a quieter album, you probably would have heard me thumping around on the floor, but it's a, it's kind of a rocking thing. So, mm. but I want to, I want to do that again sometime soon. I thought that was going to be this time, but circumstances conspired. Now that coin star is out there, what's, what's the next move from there? I would like, well, I do have maybe some production work coming up and hoping, hopefully that happens. And maybe a, a wee bit, a tour in, not with my thing, but with the thing I'm producing. And then, uh, I think now it's looking like I might actually move to new Orleans, which I've been playing with for a long time. And, uh, or move within striking range in new Orleans. Like, I'm not sure I can handle the, uh, the uh the nightlife in new orleans at close range not at this age and not with my proclivities so uh i'll park somewhere on the outskirts and poke in for uh for gigs and stuff but uh that's a recent development like that was just pretty much the last couple days coming to that so yeah but i do have songs in the pipeline too for my buddy uh adam fitz He's in uh, Pittsburgh, and there were songs that were left over from when we were in a band together, and I'm producing a pretty heavy, heavily pop album for him in a way that he hasn't ever had the freedom to do before because he's like, um, we've always been at someone else's beck and call, so I'm going to do that for him too. That won't take long. That's an EP, and uh, so going to do that stuff and send, send things back and forth. Cause he's still in Pittsburgh and I'm still here, but, and, uh, but I have songs. I, I do. I want to jump right back into it. Like I would love to have a band and I would love to just play as much as possible. I've, it, I've always been, uh, the most I've played when I was up and running was usually a couple times a month. And that, I I realized over time I hated it <laughs> because if you um if it goes good you're excited and then the next day is a big bummer cuz you're like wow it's going to be a fucking month <laughs> before I do that again and that was a blast and if it goes badly you don't have like a touring band you're going to have the next night or you're going to have the next uh, night after next and you can just go in there and fix the problems and stuff but for I never got that busy with booking any of the things I had put together and neither did the things I was playing as a sideman for. And so it always be like a big build up, and then you have a show and if it sucks, you're screwed. And if it was great, you're screwed or whatever. So I would love to have a band and actually, but, um, you know, I figure it, I might, uh, 
try to bat around doing some solo stuff because uh, because I don't think anybody should jump in with you unless you've proven that you can uh, keep yourself busy by yourself. Like if they can see that you're willing and able to do things. One, <laughs> this is, I love this. I want to get this on recording somewhere. And since we're talking, the the recording thing, which I've always been way better at than, uh, um, at least as far as that was the thing I was always more drawn to. When I'd get on stage, I'm super happy, especially with my, my first band. It was a dance band. It was a blast. But live music is sports. <laughs> and recording is like painting. See what I'm saying? Like, cause you like, uh, you do have to work up those muscles and get, and it takes a certain amount of effort to, um, and it's always going to be imperfect and sort of adrenaline up and everything else. So it's a different thing. It's like a contact deal, even though you're not, you're not smacking the people in the audience, hopefully, <laughs> but you are, trying to cram something in their head in, in a finite amount of time in a certain building. But with, um, with recording, you set up the, the picture in the, in the, uh, and then they can slowly work themselves into it or, or as the case may be not. And, uh, so that's, um, I'm going to just copyright that right now. Um, live is sports. Recording is painting or another sort of any, any of the pictorial arts, you know? So on this recording, can you talk a little bit about the, the themes and the subjects that you touched upon in Coinstar? Yeah. Uh, I love as, at now that I'm older, this stuff bugged me when I was young. If I was in, when I was your age, when I was, um, or younger, actually, when I was first starting to write legit songs that weren't just copying people I liked, <laughs> I would hear people like, and I'm, st I'm still not huge into like the super political people like Billy Bragg or, um, uh, I'm blanking, but you know, super Macons and like, uh, super political stuff used to drive me crazy. I just wanted it to be either like opaque lyrics and poetic or whatever. Or I wanted it to be personal. I didn't like the whole political angle. But then getting around into the, into the 40s, age-wise, a lot of that, uh, <laughs> the personal stuff starts to kind of damp down. And then uh, you get a different perspective from just having been around for long enough. And the, the you become less concerned about the personal and about like necessarily like stringing poetry together or whatever. I still love that part of it. I still love like my favorite. I've told you recently that my favorite uh, thing I've run into recently, which uh, somehow I missed the dude was uh, Robin Hitchcock. And that's like my, it's the only thing that makes me happy nowadays. <clears throat> but it's all this. It ended up, there's a lot of songs that all ended up being about being poor uh, and I, I've never been destitute, but 
um, I've definitely, we've never been in a position. I've definitely never, as I've been a, um, what passes for an adult with me, I've, I've never had, I've never had like stable money where I didn't have to worry about. I was always going on either just credit or, um, or just not going like just having, I've always lived in, you know, poor neighborhoods, poor houses, like, um, not even close to like, I've never had a snap card or like a, you know, food stamps or anything like that. But I've always been like just scraping some shitty job, <clears throat> you know, make rent, make whatever. And then, uh, you want a guitar, put it on a credit card. You'll never pay off <laughs> and live like that. But the, uh, working where I've been working for the past couple of years is, uh, driving around people going to dialysis, poor people like, uh, for medic Medicare and seeing the way these folks live and how much, like I feel a lot more kinship to them than I do to some of the, the sort of, especially over in ocean Springs or like some of the more upper crusty places. I meet these folks and I'm just like, I don't, I don't know what to talk to you about. <laughs> like I have a lot more in common with these folks that are admittedly way worse off than me. It's not like I've ever been as poor as they are, but somehow we connect more than, than I do. To, I, I just can't be around these uh, like certain amounts of privilege that drives me crazy. And I know I've got it, you know, but being aware of it, I can't be around people that aren't aware of it. So um, Coinstar, which we uh, will be, we're going to include that in the thing today or whatever, but the repeating like dollar store, Coinstar, layaway, um, like I was thinking the, the genesis of that is like the idea that there are people that have never, like the idea of layaway which already sounds a little bit weird because nowadays they've got so many, like if you've got even less than deadly credit, they'll usually give you some kind of store credit card or something, maybe. But in general, like there, there are still people <laughs> that, you know, they'll go and they're, they'll put away, here's $25 on that $200 thing or like, a, and it's still, that stuff still happens. And, there's a huge portion of this country that has never seen that. That idea is just foreign to them. The idea of a dollar store, other than they might stop by if they're on vacation or something. But that whole thing is foreign. Whereas any anybody I know, like, if you can, you're going to get some groceries from there. <laughs> you know, maybe some of your drugs uh, because they're, they're cheaper than like the, the generics at this place is going to be two bucks cheaper than whatever. And uh, the, uh, the coin star machine, <laughs> like, or, or the whole idea of like rolling coins to go like, uh, or scooping through your couch or just anything like that. There are people that have never seen that, you know, and in Chicago, I went, uh, shopping at one of the nicer stores with a girlfriend at the time. And she was there to get business suits for work. 
And can you hand me the jug? Yeah. <coughs> and I was watching. Uh, I was watching a woman, essentially in her pajamas. You know, like some UGG boots and pajamas, whatever. But obviously, like this, this had uh, sunglasses on her head that were probably worth more than most of what I had on at the time or had in my pockets, my phone, everything, my wallet. And I realized like we were in there and I was looking around like it was a foreign country because it was like it was a one of these fancy Michigan Avenue places. <clears throat> and I realized like, oh, she's just buying socks. Like for her, the place that you go to get your your undies or your socks or your whatever is this place. This isn't like, and there's like tourists coming in gawking at like, Oh, look at how fancy this all is. And this woman's down there just like, oh, you know, in her, in her jammies. And, uh, I remember when I was working as an Uber driver for a minute, I dropped off a lady at, uh, a pretty frou-frou, you know, bougie, um, high rise, and uh, she'd been really hard to talk to the whole time. And I couldn't quite figure it out. She was dressed kind of rich, but she was coming from work. So I thought maybe, but then, uh, as we're getting close to her building, I didn't have an exact address. So I was like, where along here are we going to be stopping? She's like, Oh, just park up there by that garbage truck or whatever that is. And I was like, what? And, and I was looking and I realized she meant, there was a postal truck, like a postal carrier vehicle, you know, roll up back and whatever. And I realized she, she doesn't know that that's how it works. She's probably always lived somewhere where she gets her mail brought up by the person downstairs. You know, they'll have the, the concierge brings all your mail up and puts it on your doorstep or whatever, or you pick it up from downstairs. Like the idea that there was this truck from the U S postal service, it's given like, she had no idea. She'd never run to meet the post person or what, whatever, like, and that, um, that disconnect. And it, it, it partially, it was a sad thing. Like, like really, am I going to make it through my entire life and be bumping along the bottom or whatever? And admittedly, a large part of that slack, like I've had opportunities that I know, I haven't capitalized on, but some of these other folks that got way more gumption than I do and are still poor, still struggling or whatever. And it's like, it's really hard to get out of that. You know, there's a, there's a lot of myth making in America about class mobility. Like the idea that you can get out of it, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and things like that. But and to you might be able to move within your class a little bit higher. <laughs> you know, you might be, hey, I, I have a car and cable TV, but the idea of going from dollar store, coin star, whatever, to to um I don't have to worry about money, like that doesn't just doesn't happen as much as we like to tell ourselves it does. And there's uh, there's uh what's White Man Plays the Indian off the album. Talks about the, uh, don't think about it too much. You know, you'll screw up the, you'll screw up the myth making machinery. 
if you think about it too much, because we build like we're so about heroes. And then every time this will probably be audible on the thing if I'm sucking on this, right? Whatever. But, you know, listening to Clint Eastwood talk shit about poor folks and how everybody thinks they're entitled or whatever. And Bill Cosby, timely and newsy Bill Cosby, who was on, I think at the time or a little bit before Hannibal Burris actually called him out, which started this whole thing. He was on a tour with somebody going around telling people, telling like black men to pull up their pants and take care of their kids and all this other. And some of that is just straight bullshit. Like the actual stats about how many black men are in their kids lives when they're not incarcerated for some bullshit, (laughs) like there would probably be a lot more black men all up in their kid's life if they hadn't gotten pinched for some small amount of marijuana or whatever the fuck and then put away for three times as long as the equivalent white teenager or whatever. So he was going around lecturing black people on how to live, black men specifically. like, And that's part of what pissed Hannibal Burris off. He's like shut up you know you're going around you're drugging people and he uh it's a lot of the same shit like we you know i i mention or at least one line in that in that song mentions you know 50 gallon drugs of or 50 gallon drums of invisible drugs because i like even i fell for like the lance armstrong thing like, no, I'm just an exceptional individual. And I I have not been cheating. I haven't done any of this stuff. And he was like on every, you know, Live Strong bracelets. And it's all over the TV and like all this other stuff. And he was shitting on his teammates that had already kind of gotten sick of being liars and had already fessed up. And he was shitting on them about it. And they're like, you know, we're done with you. <laughs> like, Like, you did it too. You know you did. Whatever. And then it turns out, of course he did. And there was an an enormous apparatus to get it done. Like they were basically swapping out his entire, you know, supply of blood every so often. And uh, we simultaneously like look down our nose at people that are actually doing pretty, are living uh, purposeful and honorable lives, but they're poor and they haven't quite, you know, figured out the code to get out of that, but they're living a fine life, taking care of their stuff, trying to have fun, trying to whatever. And like, uh, and then we simultaneously raise up these people that they're always going to fail us. (laughs) You know, they're never going to be that hero. It's just not, so much of a, you know, just the idea that we still talk about um, uh, American exceptionalism when, like, it's pretty demonstrable that we, we're we somewhere in the middling. 
we're definitely an, a, 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 an outlier as far as the things we do and what we think of ourselves. But as far as like being tip of the top, whatever, other than military power, most of the things we're lagging in. Boy, this all probably figure out something musical. <laughs> it's a lot of politics, but that's the album. Ready? Scratch off tickets, you scratch off clothes and your mind should start to call it ugly to his face when you get too old. Lay away everything's a brass ring, everything's a sweepstakes car. If I get to heaven, can I finally see a doctor, please, and lay down light? Leave the maniac hustle to the bustling bees and coin Everything's a brass ring, everything's a robot on Mars. Shaking up the bottle till the cops draw down Danny, you left wrong My ghost brother boxing with the paperwork town Stay in line Everything's a brass ring Everything is gated and wired One day a prayer you don't need you set up nice and this year is the song the people sing hoping something breaks right and dollar store everything's a brass ring everything's a pony pride This was me and Adam have been going back and forth. He sends me and I send him at the beginning of the month. We'll send a song title to each other. And the challenge is we each have to write uh, the other person's song. Like, so if I send him something, he has to write whatever that title is, write a song about it. And he's killing it. He's like at this, uh, he's hitting his stride on kind of an awesome way. Um, which I had a period like that a while back. When I had 
a lot of free time and I was working at some pizza place and I had a lot of free time and I had a ukulele sitting in the car so I could just sit there and write all day long. And that's when most everything I've written for the past three albums came at least somewhat in there. Although Coinstar actually has mostly new, new stuff. But, um, and one of, one of the things he sent me was my very first, uh, title that he sent me was, um, Oh wait, before there was a name for it, which I think he was aiming at sort of a romantic thing or something like that. And, uh, I ended up writing a song all about how, uh, like the first lyrics before there was a name for it, you were scared of her talking about just like the huge apparatus has been put together to keep, to keep women under control because they really, they're incredibly powerful beings and we've been frightened for a long damn time. So like the, you know, they make babies, you know, and we tried, we tried, like there was the whole idea of, um, men tried to think of so many ways that no, it's, it's the stuff I do. That's what makes the baby. Like we, the, the idea of the humunculus, have you ever heard of that? The idea that there's a little tiny little, uh, human in the sperm and that she's the vessel and we send the human in there and then the human grows. Cause we so much wanted to be like the powerful part of it, you know? And, uh, and you know, they can take, I think we've always known that, um, you know, they got a higher pain threshold. They've got like, a um, we've always been intimidated. I just don't think there's ever been a time that we weren't, you know, and the only people that weren't were just, uh, unaware of the fact that the society around them was intimidated by these women. So it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a boogie song about feminist ideas. The chorus is, uh, does she make you feel little as you are? Go and tell your Senator that you're going to have some scars. <laughs> and, uh, I'm going to record that and put that out because it's, it's a blast. It's, it's fun sounding like it's a, it's a rock song. And I also think right now, like some of the only people I hear talking sense half the time is like the women, you know, and watching uh, female senators or female representatives just have to completely smack down some idiot pasty dude that's trying to mansplain something to them or like uh, trying to act as if they're going to like the recent Nikki Haley thing where he's like, well, maybe, maybe she uh, misremembered and, or not, no, maybe she was confused and she straight up just said, uh, all due respect, I don't get confused. You know, and I'm not necessarily on her side. She's, she's got a bunch of foul ideas too, but like watching her just straight up like, pull off a belt and smack him upside the head was pleasing. What are you looking at on the notes there? What are we talking about? Oh, just looking around, just, uh, you know, want to be prepared when the time comes. The, uh, I am, I think we should, uh, we should report back later because this is my first time trying to really promote something in a while. And things are so different and messed up about how people consume things and the attention span 
So I'm paying really close attention to the way that this is getting to folks. I know I've made something that's at least it's the most accessible thing, accessible thing I've ever done. <clears throat> and I'm watching how people consume it or don't consume it. And like we've talked about before, the idea that you're competing with game of Thrones and a thousand bingeable TV shows and all this other stuff. And I did notice I made, uh, I made that video that uh, I don't know if I told you this. It actually got a. We'll, we'll explain to people what that video is for, for what <laughs> it's for a white man plays the Indian and which is a, uh, uh, that song just in general about how like, and there's plenty in the video, there's plenty pictures of these idiots. Uh, although, I mean, they were getting a paycheck, but like they put uh even Leonard Nimoy at one point played an Indian. So there's these pictures of these white folks that they would dress up like an Indian because they're, they, they probably, couldn't bear to go to a reservation and try to find somebody that would actually act. And why would they? It's like, it's just a bunch of white people playing in the sandbox. And so just the idea that there was a whole string of these idiotic movies where you had, you know, like Geronimo played by some white dude and, uh, and Cleopatra, you know, Elizabeth, I love Elizabeth Taylor, like good stuff. That's fine. Elizabeth Taylor's awesome. But, that's not what Cleopatra looked like. It just can't possibly be what Cleopatra looked like. <laughs> like, and uh, we like that whole whitewashy business that went on forever. And and like, uh, you know, the white Jesus, like the surfer Jesus, like <laughs> pasty, blonde-haired, uh, radiant. Je- no, 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 no. He was, you know, that was going to be a surly fella, coming from where he came from. And spending his lifetime in the desert or near the desert, that's not what he looked like. I'm sorry. He doesn't look, you know, like Leif Erickson or, or one of the Bee Gees. I don't, I don't think Jesus looked like the Bee Gees. I know that's controversial, but. But isn't the argument that he could do miracles so he could yeah, naturally. <laughs> yeah, he just decided to bleach himself. He like, wanted to look like an Abercrombie and Finch model. Yes. Don't you think? Yeah, he was he was he way, was one of us. He was way ahead of the curve we on, are on the on the uh, Michael Jackson thing. He just like uh, he didn't have to use any lightning creams or anything. He's just like I want to be like a I want to be a white man. You know, this is all great, but I got a feeling there's gonna be some people they're no, more northern, and they're gonna be a blast. And they're gonna run shit for a long, long time. Sometimes I feel like the major religions, like even at the top, like if they like just started releasing like new additions to things and just started shipping them out through the world and you get it. And like Jesus wearing a, like a leather jacket. Yes. Like, yes. well, what is, no, 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 this is, this, this is what we, That's this is now. how we, this we like, work. like operating systems, religious operating systems. This is a uh, Christianity uh, 11.1. You know, we've added some, he, uh, he's always giving a thumbs up. That's cool. He, <laughs> He never got nailed to the cross. He just sort of hung around the cross for a little bit. He saw a giant emoji in the sky talking to God. He leaned on the cross for a little bit. They uh, God's voice is Marlon Brando's. There's a great place called Boomtown on the way south from here. Like if you're going, it, I think it's either, uh, I always forget the town it's in, but it's going south through Illinois. You run into it and it's a huge amount of fireworks. And then they also have just tchotchkes, like just a, a 
biblical flood of tchotchkes. Define tchotchkes? Um, just little like trinkets and there's jewelry and snow globes and t-shirts and uh, raccoon hats and like novelty hats and uh, trucker stuff like CBs. <laughs> just everything. It's like an acre of just craziness on there. You know, wood, wood uh, sculptures, like driftwood sculptures and all this stuff. And I found it, uh, a, a crucifix where they forgot, they forgot to crucify Jesus. He was just standing on the, <laughs> there was like a little platform and he was just standing there. So sort of like, Hey, you know, arms out, buddy, Jesus sort of like, Hey, come on, bring it in. Let's, let's hug it. And I, I, uh, when I brought it up to, uh, the <laughs> girl at the counter, I was like, yeah, this one's broke. He's like, what? She's like, well, he's not even nailed to the thing. He's just, he's just, and she was cracking up. She uh, didn't quite get that I was being an asshole, but like was laughing about it. She's like, well, maybe he's praising himself. I was like, well, yeah, that could be it. But he's like, he was just hanging out. There was like a little diving board on the cross and he was just hanging out like, you know, (laughs) yeah, surfer Jesus. That's what it was. Yeah. But so. Oh, yeah. So that video, there's a bunch of that. There's a bunch of things about just racist sex of shit, which is one of my least favorite things in the world. And so there's, you know, Confederate flags, all, and it's all psychedelic as hell. But I tried to promote it. Like, I tried to actually, uh, and if I thought about it for a minute, I probably could have seen this coming. But um, I tried to promote it and there's just one detail towards the end of the video that involves middle fingers. And that alone just totally disqualified it. They wouldn't let me promote it. Like they didn't take it down. They didn't block anything, blah, blah, blah. But they would not let me like pay to spread it to more people (laughs) because it was, it was, it was classified as shocking. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that's that's the only thing I could think of that could possibly have caused that. Or although the a really prominent lyric in it is the all the blue eyed devils sing that heaven is American, and you know with a good solid winkety wink and whatever. So like maybe they thought blue eyed devils uh, was shocking, you know. Although it's not like I was just reading off Farrakhan quotes or something. It was whatever. But I think it was the middle fingers. But uh, so I'm going to I'm gonna be trying all these. Um, I plan on making a video for every song because I've been having a blast doing that. And I'm, I'm watching really closely to see what takes and what doesn't. And like, how do you even get somebody's attention? There are people I really, really like. And they do stuff, and I forget about it after a minute. Joe Henry, you know, he did an album this last year. I don't know that I've put it on twice, you know. I listen to it, and there's a certain thing, like when someone gets to a point in their career where they're starting to make incredibly competent albums that just are not changing from what they've been doing the past couple you know, the, there's no longer like an innovation flash. It's just they've gotten really good at what they do. So part of it is that, but like, I just things hit hit my hit my screen, my windscreen, and then they 
they go, and I don't remember. And uh, whether or not that's a medical deformity or if it's something about the way that we, the rapidity with which we consume things, that even with, I'm trying to calm down and pay attention to things, and I still have trouble. <laughs> you know, like people that do really good things that I really like, and I just don't listen, you know. My, well, my friend, I was talking to you about the Sonia, like she, she wrote a novel and it was the, I got 15 pages in and it's funny. She writes amazing. And I just stopped. I just forgot about it. And I, I don't think it's just because I'm, I'm some sort of half baked crispy critter or something. It's, I think the sheer amount of stuff coming at us information wise even if you're trying to guard against it, does something to your attention span. Yeah. Maybe I need to get a camper. And Maybe. Just go, <laughs> go park somewhere. Maybe. Get the hell send out. it direct to the people. Yes. Yes. Just throw it out the window as you're passing by. Hit people in the forehead. There is, there is like a shit. good solid part of me that's just like, because uh, I've been having difficulties since I've been down here. Um, interacting with mo most of the populace other than uh, most of the white populace. <laughs> like, however horrible that sounds. Because um, I'm, I'm just a little too rubbed raw by um, the current, like, xenophobia and bullshit that when I'm... I can just pretty much guess that most of the people I'm going to run to run into down here at the store or whatever. If I got started talking to him within a few minutes, they're going to say something that's going to make me angry. And so, but I, I, there's all sorts of stuff I do love about being down here, being uh, off in the swamps or like, uh, you know, I do love when Southern people break out of the Southern mindset. I love those folks, you know, and, uh, some of the artistic community down here, like Bay St. Louis, uh, they got all these uh, Heidi Petrie and all these other folks that just doing amazing stuff and they're cool as hell. And somehow they slot into this place and it makes sense. They don't seem like they're directly in opposition to it at all times, which I can't help that feeling every time I go out. But the idea of the trailer or the tent or the whatever the hell and just getting away it does appeal to me in a way that it never did before <laughs> just being older and like 17 years in Chicago sort of scraped the tops of the nerves off. So they're all tingly. And so like a big city, I'm not sure I want to do that, but this place drives me nuts because of some of the, the racist BS. So it might be somewhere in a, on a compound <laughs> with a, you know, stockpile of guns in a bunker or something. <laughs> it's a good, good, uh, good way to look at it. Mm -hmm. um, well, man, uh, running low on time here. So yeah. in closing, speedcast, uh, speedcast, we did it. We done it. Um, and we recorded some good tunes too. So, uh, but in closing, is there anything, uh, anywhere you want to direct the ADD culture? Two that huh? maybe 
maybe there's somebody out there who has heard what well the album heard what the, they heard and they the like album it. is streamable and buyable and i may not get paid a lot when you stream it but i do get paid eventually at some point i hear tell uh but definitely uh eddie dixon um eddie dixon music on Bandcamp, or i have a website eddie dixon music that has a lot of the lyrics up uh, I was working on getting the Coinstar lyrics up, and I thought they actually were done. I need to just go through there and publish that page because I've got them all up. And uh, I will be Eddie Dixon Music on YouTube. I'm going to be putting up uh, cheaply made but interesting videos for um, all the stuff. I'm I finally found a dancer for my one idea, so I'm collaborating with a dancer for one of them, hopefully. Hopefully she can do it. And then uh, some of the other stuff, just using a really cheap iPhone or iPad things and using using them in a way they weren't meant to be used. So I figured out some, some fun things to do as far as that. So there'll be videos. And sometime this summer, I'm going to have some live shows here. Even if I have to just break out, uh, you know, borrow some money I don't have and just pay some ringers that I love, like some of these players around here that I know are great and just pay them and have a few shows because <laughs> I miss, I miss playing with the band or whatever. Yeah. But, cool, man. Well, and for and also I have a sexy webcam. Do you? No, I don't. Good. But, uh, I, I did talk over with Elizabeth, the idea that I was going to start one in the, uh, um, the sort of fan club for it was going to be called uh, All Access Chihuahua. So if we can make that happen, I'm going to make it happen. Never again, but then again now You're letting your heart out to run into walls Oh, Charlie Brown
Thanks, everybody, for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. If you want to hear more from Coastal Noise, go subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, YouTube. You can put a little auto-download on so that you can catch whatever the latest episodes are. Be sure to go like the Coastal Noise Facebook page and follow on different media outlets. Of course, as always, if you want to help the show grow, please leave some comments, feedback, share an episode. It all goes to help the machine move forward. Thanks for listening again. See you next time. God damn it. That was going. It was almost there.